All right. Well, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and our senior pastor, Pastor Aaron, is out today. And uh, one of the things we always tell everyone is, is to try us out three times uh, in case we're off one week and, and Pastor Aaron's off this week. So come back, try us out. If you're a guest with us, uh, we encourage you to come back, and we'll be, uh, Pastor Aaron will be back next week for part three of Holiday Survival Guide. And he shared last week, and so we want to welcome those watching on Facebook Live, whether you're watching live or watching later. We're so glad you uh, decided to join us. Last week, Pastor Aaron shared a message called Judge Favorably, Judge Favorably, and we, we talked about uh, the, the, the two ditches that we can get in uh, with judging uh, and, and how to stay in the middle of God's will by judging favorably. And this week, I'm going to be sharing with you a message I'm entitling, Speak Vitally. We judge favorably, we speak vitally. And so uh, speaking vitally means to speak life and to speak life. And, and here's what you need to know about rice. And I hear this a lot, that people will say stuff like, man, I, I just love the preaching at rise because it's so authentic. Uh, I can relate to the pastor. Uh, like, I, I, you know, he's, he seems relatable. When you guys share a message, it's relatable. And here's, here's, here's why that is, is because uh, you may not know this, but most of the time we just preach to ourselves. Uh, and we preach to ourselves, and if you get anything out of it, that's good. Uh, we're just hoping we get something out of it as we preach. And you know, and, and, and I've been in ministry for over 20 years, and I remember when I first started out, my pastor would say stuff like, hey, when you're up there sharing, never share any weakness. And I call that tower preaching. And the tower preaching, you know, uh, theory was this, like never let them see you sweat, never let them see that you uh, have any weakness. Like you are preaching at them from the tower, pointing down at them, telling them what they need to do with their life. You are the sage in the tower, you're the wise one in the tower, and you need to tell them, tell them. That's, that was one way that, that we grew up with learning. And then, and then, I, then there was something that I kind of called the, 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 the hilltop preaching. Hilltop preaching goes like this, well, I used to be really bad like you guys. I was just like y'all, but Jesus fixed me, and now I can sell you my book and my elixir for a low price of $19.99. Here's some of my elixir. You should take it. But what we like to do is what I call field preaching, that we are in the field with you, Preaching because, yes, God has brought us out of something, but because we also know that there's more that God has to bring us through and that. And that, that makes us uh, more relatable. And, and again, uh, nothing wrong with any one of those styles. If you like maybe a different style of preaching, we hear that sometimes. Well, maybe you want to go and find a church in, in, in the area that might be more of that tower preaching, that they're looking down on you and telling you, uh, what you need to get right and get uh, or, or in your life. And so in this holiday season is we're learning, and so I only say that to say, remind, remind you, I'm preaching to myself today, that if, if no one else gets anything out of it, I'm going to get something out of this because I'm preaching truth to myself. In the holiday season, uh, we, we underestimate sometimes the power of our words in, our, in the holiday season, that our words have the uh, ability to wound people, to, to cause pain to people to cause hurt, to cause fear, to cause anger. And as we go to the scriptures in Proverbs 18, 21, it addresses this. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The, 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 the writer here in Proverbs of these wisdom books, we, one of the wisdom books is Proverbs. He says, there's death and there's life. It literally means this, you put death on it, 
or you put life on it based on your words. That, that our words can create death or they can create life. And we go back to the garden in Genesis 1 and we see that actually God spoke the word and it caused the world to come into existence. It caused life to come into existence. That on the fifth day and sixth day, God spoke life and life was. He spoke life into the plants and things that grow. He spoke life into all the animals and birds and fish. He spoke life, and, and, and when he looked back on it, he said it was good. He said this life-giving speech is good. So he gives us the model way back in the beginning of, of, of speaking life. And so when we go to the New Testament, though, we look at James, and he writes about this also. James was the brother of Jesus, the earthly brother of Jesus, and James 3 talks about this. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. He said, this is just not the way we should do. Not blessing and curse at the same time. And with these scriptures as our foundation today, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your words of life that you're helping us to speak vitally today and throughout this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I have a board here, a spike here, and a, and a hammer. And this hammer reminds me of the power of our words and the purpose of our words, that I can take that hammer and drive that in there. And if I have enough time, I'll drive it all the way through there. Uh, if we had two more services, maybe I'll get through. Uh, but this hammer is designed to build. But I can turn this hammer into a, a weapon of destruction, right? I can, I, you know, one of my favorite things to do is, is if you're doing like a demo and to like take the hammer and like go through the drywall. Anybody has ever done that? Like that's like, ah, oh, there's something about that. Like, oh, destruction. Uh, you know, and my, when I take this hammer, this, is, this actually feels, you know, I'm doing this. This is like, okay. But if I take this hammer and start doing this, that actually kind of feels more fun to me. Like, if I take and bang up the board here and I put some dents in it, that kind of feels a little bit more fun to me. But why do we find, even with our words, that sometimes it's easier to be more destructive with our words, to speak death, than it is to speak life? It seems like the default setting is death and not life. And why is that? And we know it's because of the fall a man that when sin entered into the world, that's when death started to reign. And so when we look at that, we must study where does death come from in our speech? Where are the identifying things that cause us to speak death? And you know, it's football season, and you know, we got a few more weeks left in the NFL season, and the playoffs are shaking up, you know, and the Cowboys are trying to, you know, get that last you know, they get their, win their, win their division, and the Eagles don't want to win it, and the, nobody wants to win it, apparently. Uh, but what, what is happening in this season is, is when you play an opponent, you watch game film on the opponent. When you're about to play someone, you watch game field. So the Cowboys, uh, you know, people, they're just watching game film of Jason Garrett just clapping, because um, that seems to be their strategy. Um, that was a Cowboys joke, but y'all didn't like that. Uh, but we watch, when you're playing that sport, you're watching that. In baseball, they're, 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 they're studying how a pitcher pitches and their tells. 
And, and maybe they're even trying to steal his signs. From the, there, there, there's some gamesmanship. And, and in football, like, you know, uh, a certain team got in trouble for filming the walkthrough of another team. Like, we're going to watch how they practice. We're going to film it. What is that all about? It's about gamesmanship. They're like, I want to know what my opponent's going to do so I can be prepared when he shows up so I can win. And in our life, Jesus said this. He says, sometimes the children of the world are smarter than the children of God. Because they don't learn from the wisdom. And so what we need to do is we need to learn from that wisdom. Is like we need to study what our opponent's going to do. We need to study what the enemy is going to do in death. And so I want to share, before I talk to you about how to speak vitally, I want to show you where death comes from. I want to show you why we like to speak deadly at times. What is it about that that, that, that it just seems to be the default setting? And as I've studied over the years and been a pastor for over 20 years and read books and studied and gone to school and more school and more training and study and study, I'm always studying. I'm always reading something. I'm always working on something. Something I stumbled across and something I've seen is that there are primarily three ways that death manifests itself in our life. Three ways that it manifests itself in our life. That each one of us are wired in a way that one of these is going to be the primary way that we struggle. This is going to be the primary thing that we struggle with in our life. Now, we may have different times where we have different ones of these, but primarily, we are going to struggle with one of these uh, more than the other two. And so I want to share what I've learned, what I've studied, what I've seen, what's been written, what's been written down to help us to understand how our enemy works. Number one, the, well, the three things that we kind of struggle with is this, we speak out of fear. We speak out of fear. That we fear, our words are reflective of our fears. What, are, what do we fear? We fear the past and the pain that happened in the past to repeat itself. We fear our current circumstances because we don't see a way out. We fear uh, the future because it's typically unknown and we like the, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know what's going to happen, so I fear the unknown. Do you, I heard someone say this once. It's like people would rather be comfortable with a problem they know than a solution they don't know. And that really our default setting when it comes, if you struggle with fear, is that we, we, we fall into the negative versus the positive. And here's the thing, where it takes just as much mental energy to be in the fear as it does to be in faith to say, hey, what if everything goes right? It's much easier to, for, for those of us who struggle with this to say, but what if everything goes wrong? What if it happens again? What if I can't figure it out? That's the default setting of fear. And for those of us who struggle with that, that's what we do. Because we are wired almost tribally to, tear, to take more care of avoiding loss than we are to put the work in to go get the gain. And so if, we're, if we struggle with fear, that's what we struggle with. Number two, we speak out of anger. We speak out of anger. We speak out of fear. We speak out of anger. You say, well, well what, what are these people angry with? Everything. You can be angry at your parents. You can be angry at your grandparents, your step-parents, uh, your siblings, your boss, your teachers. Man, I, I don't know how many books I've read that was like, you were wrong, Mrs. Miller. You said I could never make it, that I'd be an idiot all my life, and you were wrong. Like, we, 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 we struggle with fear. If this is, now, this is me. Now, this one is me. I, I, not, not, not fear, but anger. We struggle with fear. We struggle with anger. And you say, well, what does 
anger death look like? Sometimes it could look like screaming and yelling and verbally assaulting and abusing. But you know, for me, the way that it looks is like this, sarcasm. That sarcasm is really masked fear. And I remember the first time when I went to counseling and they said that. They're like, why are you so mad? I'm like, I'm not mad. And they talked about sarcasm is masked anger. I was like, what? <laughs> Me? But that's, that's where I struggle, that there's a pain that, that manifests in, in anger. And, 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 and I think about it, it's like, well, what are, what are you angry? You know, Pastor Jason, how could you be angry? Like, what are you angry at? Like, I'm angry at everything, y'all. Like, when I came and really got down to it, I realized, like, I'm angry with everybody, with everything. It's like, man, well, I'm, I'm angry at, at this person and that person, and I'm angry, uh, well, I'm angry driving on 1604, I'm angry driving on 410. I'm angry driving on I-10, 35, 37, 281, Petrenko, Calabra, Bandera, Houseman. Like, where am I not angry? Like, it's just anger, anger, anger. And I have to stop and pause and realize that that's death. And the third thing, if we're, if we're not speaking out of fear, we're not speaking out of hurt, or of anger, we're speaking out of hurt. Our third thing is we speak out of hurt. And so you've heard this saying that hurt people hurt people. And we get to experience this all the time. That, that, that what often we do is we, the way that we're hurt is, is when we tend to hurt other people in that same way. If we struggle with hurts, what, what we do is we, we will hurt people in that same way. Way. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I came here to be a part of the church plant and to help Pastor Aaron start this church. And think you have this idea when you're going to plant a church, like, we are going to reach unreached people groups, people who have never heard the name of Jesus. We are going to reach those people, and they are going to be far from God, and we're going to tell them about Jesus, and they will never have heard about Jesus before. But here's, guess what happened? That didn't happen is most of the people we reached, and maybe this isn't you, but maybe it's everybody else but you, were people who were hurt by their last church, their former pastors. They were hurt by church. Not everybody, I'm sure not you, but everybody else. We get people and they come in and they have these past hurts. And so we always say, we make a commitment. We say, hey, would you make an agreement and a commitment with us? We'd like to make a commitment with you. And we say this, don't treat us like the people or the pastors or the leaders who hurt you, and we won't treat you like the people in the congregation in the past who hurt us or who, who are still hurting us today. Can we make an agreement? Don't treat us like the people who hurt you, and we won't treat you like the people who hurt us. Can we have a clean slate? Because when we're hurt, often we don't know, but we have tells. Think about it. If you call in to work sick tomorrow, you call in, this is what you sound like. Hey, this is Jason. I really hurt my foot and I can't make it into work. They're like, why are you talking like that? You hurt your foot. <laughs> we call that the sick voice, right? You know, when your kids are sick or, you know, someone's sick. It's like they got a sick voice. They have a tell. And when we're hurt, what we don't always realize is that we have a sick voice. We have a hurt voice that tells on us, that our words tell on us. 
And they tell on us if we're in fear. They tell us on, on us if we're in anger. They tell us on if we're hurt. And so as we look at those are the, the way, ways that death manifests itself, uh, let's talk about ways that that death, those three things, show up in our life. One way, for some of us, we take it out on others. We take it out. So in other words, our words are outward facing. So for me, because I'm angry, like I have some outward facing things. Rarely are they inward facing. Let me tell you, most of the time they're outward facing. Like I, like, you know, sometimes we have fears and they're, 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 they're going to be projected onto others. Another, uh, you know, or hurts, they're going to project onto others. Number two is like we, we take them in. That, that some of us are having a natural inclination to like we're inward with our fears. We're inward with our anger. We're just mad at ourselves all the time. We're inward with our hurt. We can never, you know, we never get that out. And then there's a third type of way that, that these three things uh, 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 really express themselves, and that's this, ignore. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. I, I don't know where this came from. I don't know what hurt. What hurt? What anger? I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm not fearful. I'm not hurt. We're ignoring it. We're not learning to deal with it. And each one of these can be a negative expression of those things. There's none that's better than another. There's not like, well, at least you got it out. On other people? You threw up on other people? You think that's good? That's not good. And so how do we then, understanding how the enemy works with fear, anger, hurt, out, in, ignore, how do we speak vitally then? How do we speak in a way that is, is, is a blessing to God and what we saw there that we're speaking life? How do we speak vitally? Vital meaning life. Number one, we need to invite God to help us. Invite him in. It needs to be us inviting him in. In this scripture here in the book of Psalm, the Psalm 19, 14, he says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The psalmist here is writing a prayer out to God. And really what he's saying is this, God, allow me to be aware of your presence in my life. Allow me to see your presence and to be aware of it. Because if we're in the presence of God, it's going to change the way we talk. Let me give you an example of that. If right now I decide to just walk off the stage and I'm going to go teach the preschool class in there, I'm going to speak differently to the preschoolers than I'm speaking to you right now. I'm going to get down because I'm tall and I'm going to say, hey, boys and girls, how are you doing today? I'm so glad you're here. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Who's ready to talk about Jesus? Now, if I start doing that to y'all, I could already see some of y'all like, stop talking to me like that. <laughs> if I go and speak to the teenagers, and, and you know, I, got to speak to, I get to speak to the teenagers every once in a while, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm going to be like, yo, what's up? Hey, how y'all doing? If I go to my grandma's house, and I speak to my elderly grandma, I'm not going to be like, yo, Grams, sup? She's going to be like, what? Is that speaking in tongues? I don't know what you just said. I'm going to speak respectfully to her. The, the crowd that I'm speaking with, the people that I'm in the presence of, they change the way that I speak. And if Jesus, if we understand he's ever present with us, it would change the way we speak. We must be God aware. 
The next verse from a psalm that I want to read to you in Psalm 141.3, he said, Set a guard, O Lord, again in a prayer, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. He's talking about a guard, a watch. What is he saying? It's not just enough to be God-aware. you got to become self-aware. you got to become self-aware enough to like have a guard, a watch over your lips, over the words you're saying. Where are they life-giving? Are they not life-giving? And I remember back in the time, because again, I grew up, and all these pain in the past and, and, and growing up and all the things that happened to me in my childhood caused me to have anger. I was literally just reading a book about this, and, and they're describing it, and I'm like, were y'all there when I had this? Like, were y'all, y'all in my house? Like, how did you know that this happened? And they were describing those who speak out out of anger, and I'm like, man, that's exactly my child. Like, and so I fast forward to, uh, I'm in my late teens, and we're, um, my wife and I are dating at that time. We're not married yet, and, and for me, like, I like to use my words to express myself because I'm quick-witted, witty. I thought I was super funny, y'all. Like, I thought, not only did I think I was funny, I thought I was the funniest person in the world. Some days I still think that I'm wrong. But I, I think that, I, man, I just, I'm so funny. And so I would say stuff to her in front of people, cutting myself down, cutting her down. But it was just joke. I'm just joking. It's just joking. I'm just making it funny. I'm doing it for the lulls. Like, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm just laughing. Like, let's laugh. Like, ha ha, it's so funny. And I funny. Everybody look at me. I'm funny. Yeah. And then people said like, hey, like what's, why are you doing that? And she's like, hey, that hurts me. And I had to become more God aware and ask God to come into the situation. Like, I didn't even realize I was hurting. I didn't know. I didn't think I was being abusive. I, I didn't, I didn't hit you. Like, I just, that's just what we do in our family. It's like Comedy Central Roast every day. Is that not okay? And I realized it wasn't okay. Because it was masking something that I wasn't dealing with. And on that, after we ask God in, number two, that brings me to my next point, is deal with your death. Deal with your death. And here's the thing, you got to keep dealing with it. That the inner healing that God wants to bring comes from his power, but it comes from us being a part of that. And 1 John 1, 9 talks about that. It says this, if we, we, that's us, confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So he's doing the forgiving, we're doing the confessing, he does the forgiving of our sins and to cleanse us. He forgives, he cleanses from all unrighteousness. He forgives, he cleanses. We confess, he forgives, we cleanse, or he cleanses. We have a part to play in that. And so what God is saying is, invite me in to your death, your sin. The wages of sin is death. That's what he's taught. Like, invite me into that because I want to help you in that healing process. And here's what I know about God. God heals what we reveal. God heals what we can, we said there, confess. Like, he brings the healing to what we reveal. We do the revealing. He does the healing. He employs us in our own healing process, y'all. He brings us into that process, and he wants to employ us in that healing. So if you're afraid, you fear, you have to go back and say, where is the root of this? Because I'm studying my opponent. I have to know, where is the root of this fear? Where did this fear show up in my life? What am I afraid of? What if I stopped and believed God instead 
of believing whatever lie this is or whatever has been spoken to me. When we're angry, we have to say, what has made us so mad? I had to go back and say, what has made me so mad? It was because my dad left and because I had no control over my life that now I'm angry when I don't have control. I got I to gotta figure out, okay, I'm going to give up control to God. He's in control no matter what. I had to walk through those things that why was I mad? And when we're hurt, we have to ask us, where am I hurt? Why am I hurt? Who hurt you? What hurts you? And how are you living that out today? Because it's okay to be hurt. It's okay to even be angry. The Bible says be angry and sin not. It's okay to even have fear because we can have the fear of God. But we have to understand that all those feelings, hurts, anger, fear, they can't control us. They can't have us. We have them. We can't allow ourselves to be controlled. And when we speak out those words, that's what we're saying we're doing. And I, and I, and I look at this journey I was on, and, and I had believed, typically, when you have one of these things, there is a lie that you believe that you need to speak truth to. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. There's a lie that you believe that you need to speak truth to. And I remember, uh, you know, someone, I just heard them sum it up, that I never heard it summed up so well. And he was talking about, this pastor, he said, I grew up in a culture where all a man had to do to be a good husband is don't beat and don't cheat. He said those were the two criteria to be a good man of God. Don't beat, don't cheat. If you do those two things, you're good. What a low standard. But that's a lie that we believe. Like, well, at least I'm not, you know, I could look at that and say, well, I never put a hand on her. Well, I was being verbally abusive. I was, I was saying things that were totally mean and just ornery. But we have to raise the standard. Because saying like, well, I don't beat and I don't cheat, well, that's the lowest standard. That's like saying, well, hey, Pastor Jason, I just bought a car. Well, tell me about this car. I'm telling you, it's super awesome. You know what it has? A windshield. Your car has a windshield. Uh, you bought a car because it had a windshield? Yeah, isn't that amazing? No, that's standard. That comes on all the cars. And when we understand, it's like we have to move past like the standard lie of the past and move towards God's standards of where we need to deal with our death. And as we invite God in, we deal with our death. That leads us to our third thing on this path to speaking vitally, and that's it. We need to change our inner words. Change the words that are happening on the inside of us. That's where you're addressing that lie. And, and, and Jesus was quoted here in the book of Luke. And Luke, the physician, he quoted him. He says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In the Greek, the center of your being was called the heart. And we, we use that today. That's, we're kind of, uh, you know, a, a Greek-influenced society. You know, we, we would say, like, I love someone from the bottom of my heart. You know, the, actually, the ancient Hebrews, uh, they didn't use heart. They used bowels. But uh, that would be weird. I love you from the bottom of my bowels. That just doesn't sound the same as I love you from the bottom of my heart. So we're, we're Greek-influenced, you know, Greek so we got the heart. Good thing. We got the heart. So Jesus spoke about the heart. And I think this is an interesting word in the Greek. Check out what this word is in the Greek. Heart equals cardia. Come on, someone, someone got heart equals cardia. Like where we get the word cardio from. 
which means to work out your heart. What you're doing when you go and do some cardio is you're going to get your heart rate up. Am I, am I getting my heart rate up? And so really what Jesus is saying is there's some things that you got to put on your running shorts, put on your running shirt, put on your running socks and your running shoes and your headband, and you got to work it out of your spiritual heart. Oh, I hate cardio. We can tell. <laughs> and we can tell when we check your spiritual vitals that you hate Spiritual cardio too. And here's what, this is one of my favorite things. When people will say something like, and they'll be like, oh, no, no, no. That, you know, and you will like call them on that. Like, hey, when you said that, that really, that was hurtful. That was, oh, that's not my heart. I didn't mean that. Uh, well, according to Luke, which was quoting Jesus, yes, you did. That was in your heart. Oh, that's not my heart. Yeah, it is. Either you're a liar or Jesus is a liar. He's the son of God, perfect in every way, so he's not a liar. So when we say that, we're really betraying the fact that we don't, aren't aware, going back to being God aware and self aware, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? If I want to check someone's heart, all I have to do is observe their words, including my own. And so how do we do, how do we then work it out? How do we work it out? The next verse that I have here for you, written by Paul, Philippians 4, Eight, he says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Paul tells us that here's what we need to do, is that we can change what we think, and when we change what we think, it changes what we experience. And we change those inner words, when we change that voice that can sound like your grandma, that can sound like your parents, that can sound like that teacher that told you you couldn't or that you'd never make it, or it can sound like your parents during that divorce. It can sound like, what is it that hurt you? It can sound like that voice that made you mad. It can sound like that thing that's caused you to have fear. And what we need to do is we need to change that narrative. We need to stop rehearsing the voice that we've heard over and over and over and over again in our life and start agreeing with God because God is speaking of us in his word and he's waiting for us to agree with him in his word. Not so we can change our circumstances and like we say the magic words and it makes everything better, but what it really does is it starts to work on us and the inner voice that we stop agreeing with what was said and we start agreeing with what God said. And we were dealing with this with my youngest daughter and she's going to school and she's just really struggling and my wife and I were prayfully like, like what do we need to do? We can't get through to her. It's like talking to a brick wall, like man, I, she doesn't understand what I'm saying. And, you know, and I was a kid's pastor for years, and I just feel like this is the only kid in America I could not pastor. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, she just does not hear me. And she's like, and I was telling her, I was like, when you go through this situation, you need to think this way. She said, but Dad, I can't think that way, because when the, I have that situation, it calls, I, I just think differently, and the thoughts that come to my head are these. And I said, well, I think I got it. So she was struggling with telling the truth because she wanted people to like her, so she was going to lie. She was afraid they would reject her. She, she struggled with being kind because of that fear, and she struggled with, with just like not working hard. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. 
And so what we decided to do is we said, we've got to replace the inner voice inside of your head. And I'm like, how is this child already wounded? What did I do? But that's just the default setting of the fall of man. And I couldn't dwell too much on like, where did I mess up? Man, I got to figure out what I want to do right. And so we decided this. We said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Three things. As a family, we tell the truth, we're be kind, we work hard. Tell the truth, be kind, work hard. Tell the truth, be kind, work hard. Tell the truth, be kind, work hard. I'm like, we're going to put this on everything. We're in the process of this. I'm not saying we got it all figured out. I'm in the field with y'all trying to figure this out. As I said, I'm not in the tower. I'm not on the hill. I'm in the field trying to figure this out. I'm like, okay, we're going to put it on your hand. We're going to write it on your hand. Uh, let's put it on your mirror. We're going to get some vinyl lettering, put it on there. Tell the truth, be kind, work hard. We're going to put it in your lunchbox. We're going to put it in your, on your desk. Dad, I don't have a desk. You're missing the point. Be quiet. Uh, like, we're going to put it in your backpack. We're going to put it in your shoes. Uh, we're going to get you a, a tattoo on, the, on your inner lip. Like, I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to communicate this. We're going to rehearse this. We're going to go over and over and over. Like, you want to spray paint it on the walls of your room? We own the house anyhow. We can paint over it. Like, if it's going to help you to be, uh, to tell, tell, uh, tell the truth, be kind, and work hard, we're going to do it. And in my life, I know there's things like declarations I have to make over my life, 61 that I make uh, most days of the week that I read through that are agreeing with what God says about me and not my anger, not my hurt, not my fears. I'm changing the voice, the inner voice from that of those things that cause the pain of fear, anger, and hurt to that of agreeing with God and what he says. And that, and then, as I change that internal, I've dealt with the death. I, in the beginning, I asked God in there, and then I realized that my words, so what I'm doing is I'm speaking outer words to my inner words, which then my inner words bring different outer words. Let me say that again. I speak outer words to my inner words, which then my inner words change my outer words. It's the cycle that we get in to speak vitally, and I pray that during this holiday season, you will also speak vitally.